with all not your truth or kindness, Lord. With all not your truth or kindness, Lord. Welcome to The Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. The Notice podcast explores our need to be noticed through biblical musings and conversations with special guests, experience relevant topics, and encouragement as we take notice of how the God of mercy satisfies. On this episode of The Notice, have you ever wondered how best to use your talents for God? you feel guilty if you don't use them? Is there a difference between talents and gifts? Join me as we explore talents and gifts, how we feel when no one notices our gifts, what the purposes of our gifts are, and ultimately, what is eternal. Listen in as we discover how God notices us through talent. I'm a professional clarinetist a songwriter, an author, a speaker, a teacher, a small group leader and lay counselor. I'm a mother and a wife. I'm an arts administrator, an event coordinator, a poet, and from what I'm told, I'm a pretty good home decorator. And yes, I'm a podcast host. So you could say I'm a creative person. But most importantly, I see myself as a daughter of the king. Yet with all these talents, sometimes I get confused as what to do with them. I even feel sorry for myself. Sorry the gifts I've been given weren't being utilized or noticed. Sorry about those doors which didn't open. Sorry my talents were overlooked. But mostly, sorry that others performed better, wrote more books, were more gifted speakers, and overall seemed to shine brighter. On the flip side, there were times I felt too much for others. I tried encouraging and affirming others about their gifts, maybe to diminish mine, but somehow it didn't matter. Not only did I feel like I didn't fit in, I began apologizing for my gifts, just so others didn't feel intimidated. You see, from the time I was 13 years old, I set my goals on being a professional clarinetist. My life was filled with auditions, performances, competitions, music festivals, and teaching gigs. After all, this was my calling, my profession, my livelihood, my purpose. Even with the highs and lows, I was determined. I made it, but frustration continued to mount. I wanted the next best gig. Why wasn't I satisfied? As the years passed, I saw myself fluctuating between feeling bad about myself and feeling better than others. I guess I was secretly coveting the talents of others and wondered why God didn't give me more. I fantasized about bearing my talents, thinking maybe that was easier. As my frustration turned to weariness, weariness told me it was a curse to be capable. After all, does the world really need any more good clarinet players, authors, or speakers? So for a season, I gave in and hid my talents. I don't think I was missed. There are a lot of people out there who have talent. Yet God reminded me that I still occupy space, divine space, 
and my presence was very much needed. Relying strictly on my talents became a quest for validation because talents, well, they can make us feel special, that we're not ordinary because we have gifts. Yet as I grew in my relationship with God, I began to see things differently. I began to see the difference between talents and spiritual gifts. The dictionary defines talents as a natural aptitude or skill. Talents are typically given to us through our genetic structure, family placement, or life experiences. We could have an engineering mind, a musical talent, or athleticism. We could have the talent to easily communicate with others, work with numbers, or evaluate human behavior. Talents can be developed and nurtured, but are typically temporary. And since they are part of our genetic structure, think about this, that's the flesh, right? So can talent truly satisfy? And besides, talents are possessed by both the saved and the unsaved. But what about spiritual gifts? At salvation, we are given access to the Holy Spirit to execute the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, grace, gentleness, and self-control. I assure you, I cannot execute these attributes without the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you about a recent trip to McDonald's. Due to COVID, McDonald's was only accepting drive through customers, so the lines were longer than usual. As we waited for about 20 minutes or so in line, I noticed there seemed to be trouble when ordering. So when we finally arrived at the window, I could hardly believe it. I gave my order not once, not twice, but maybe seven or eight times. Each time, the worker was so confused. Internally, I was really struggling to explain what, was, what I wanted. I wanted to lash out. After all, isn't this supposed to be fast food? And do you really need talent to do this job? Once I put aside my pride and surrendered to the Spirit, it was amazing how I was able to refrain myself and not lose patience. I assure you, this wasn't about talent. This was about the supernatural strength that only God can do. So why do some of us inherit certain talents and not others? If my human talents and family placement led me to the ice skating world, that would be my sphere of influence. In my sphere, I can display the fruit of the Spirit and use my gifts to share the message. If I don't have the talent to be in the ice skating world, then God has another place for me to occupy space. After all, everyone needs Jesus. Then let's talk about those spiritual gifts that are given to us to edify the body of Christ, like discernment, administration, exhortation, faith, giving, healing, helps, prophecy, teaching, hospitality, wisdom, service, tongues, and mercy. These gifts are for now, but there are also for eternity. The main difference is that talent encourages dependence on self. Our spiritual gifts encourage dependence on God. Which reminds me of a story. There was a man who owned and ran a multi-million dollar company. He started out small and invested a lot of time and money to reach his status. 
He was called away and had to consider who he would get to take care of his business while he was gone. He didn't know how long he would be gone, so he wanted to be sure he had his most talented people at the helm. He thought of three of his employees, Mark, Sarah, and Bob. Mark was a talented problem solver, a numbers guy, and a great operations manager. Sarah was a marketing genius, a creative soul, professional, and great with people. Bob, he was pragmatic and often brought up practical things in meetings that others didn't. Surely, this team would be able to handle things while he was away. Yes, he knew their talents would be utilized, but he also wanted to give them gifts to support their success. Mark was given $5 million to work with while the boss was gone. Sarah was given $2 million to work with while the boss was gone. And Bob was given $1 million to work with while the boss was gone. All different amounts. Time passed. The workers didn't know when the boss was going to return. When he returned, Mark filled him in on the details and was excited to tell him that he had invested the $5 million and that gift was now increased to $10 million. The owner was pleased and said, Well done, Mark. Well done. Sarah came in and shared with the owner that she had also invested the $2 million and now the company had $4 million. The owner was pleased and said, Well done. You have been faithful. But when the owner talked with Bob, he found out that Bob had hid the $1 million and did nothing with it. Perhaps it was out of fear of losing the money or taking some kind of risk. Bob kept the money to himself. The owner was furious, calling him lazy, and fired him on the spot. Then he actually told him to give the $1 million to Mark. For those who aren't aware, this is a paraphrase of the parable of the talents found in Matthew 24, 14-30. As I researched a little bit about this passage, I learned that during that time, you weren't supposed to go out and try to earn money off of others. Hanging on to your inheritance and what was yours was huge. Bob saw this money as his. The others did not. Although entailments in this case referred to money, perhaps Jesus was instructing us to dwell on something more eternal. The gifts he gives us, not our talents. God directed my attention to Moses. At the burning bush, God called Moses to send the message. But Moses fought it because he didn't feel talented enough and even asked God to send Aaron instead. But God's call to Moses became simple. Just tell them, I am sent you. So friends, when God calls us, we often think it's about using our talents as if that is our mission. Instead, God calls us to be messengers. Certainly his message can be expressed in creative ways through our natural talents. But at the end of the day, it's still about the message. We're not responsible for the results of the message through the hearts of man, nor mandated to use our natural talents. And there are going to be seasons that we use our talents and seasons that we don't. But God uses us best when we simply surrender and allow our talents to direct us to our sphere of influence. And then we surrender, because when we do, we get access to the Holy Spirit. I really love how God expresses what he will do for us 
and the extent of his mercy in Romans 11:29-32. For gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the grace shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all the disobedience. Why? That he may have mercy on all. So as you take notice of your talents and gift, remember, dependence on God for either direction is where you want to land. As you take notice, spiritual gifts offer us insurmountable strength from the Spirit of God. These gifts are eternal. And remember, when Jesus gives us a gift, what happens to it? It multiplies. Not much different than the five loaves and fish story. Perhaps the eternal spiritual gifts, which we didn't earn, are what God wants us to invest. So my dear friends, grab your fishing pole and go fish. There's a message to be told. For listeners out there, we had our first book launch party to celebrate my book, A Firm Grasp, Feeling Validated in a Notice Me World. The event was held in Lansing and it was so much fun. There was a threat of thunderstorms, but God answered prayers with lovely weather. I want to give a shout out and thanks to any of you who came to support the book, to, for those who bought the book so far, and for those who are going to buy the book. I would love to hear what you think, so please, please post a review on Amazon. And for my Traverse City friends, I'm coming. Join me on Sunday, July 18th at 1 o'clock p.m. at the Twin Lakes Park Pavilion. Rachel Jenneman from WLJN will serve as an MC and will be featuring Freedom Farms Ministry, a local ministry for work, those working through trauma, and will have special music by local musician David Eichenroth. Come out and celebrate, enjoy some refreshments, learn more about the book, and of course pick up a book or two. You can always find out more information on my website at susankbookstore.com. Until next time, take care.